happy Friday, Soulmates. We have so much to share with you on this January 13th. Happy Founders Day to the ladies of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. Welcome to Fox Soul's Black Report. I'm Courtney Hicks. And I'm Nicordelai Corte. We are honored to stand behind this desk, take each and every one of you on a journey across mm -hmm. black America and the stories that impact our people. We're going to bring you our news, our views, and our voice. So let's tap into today's top headline. A soldier assigned to Fort Rucker in Alabama is in police custody after brutally killing a fellow soldier. Now, according to a statement from the Army, 21-year-old Private Abdul in Latifu of the Bronx died from injury sustained in the attack. Both soldiers were students in advanced individual training. Sources say the attack attacker used an army-issued tool, a small steel folding shovel, in that assault. The alleged suspect has not uh, yet been identified by officials, but uh, they say there's no indication the incident was a hate crime. The attack is now under investigation. In Springfield, Illinois, two paramedics are being charged with first-degree murder after not properly restraining a black patient. Peggy Finley and Peter Cadigan are both charged in the murder of 35-year-old Earl Moore Jr. Reports detail that officers were called to the scene where a family member claimed that Earl Moore Jr. was having a hallucinatory episode. Moore said he saw multiple people with guns inside his home. Police arrived on the scene and requested medical assistance for Moore, but assistance was far from what was given. Take a look. Earl, sit up. Sit up. You know what? I am not quiet. Come on, Earl. Let's sit let's up. Sit up. What happened? Oh. Stop. Sit up. Sit up. Now. I am not playing with you tonight. Sit up. What is your birthday? In a press conference held on Tuesday, local NAACP chapter president Teresa Haley said, quote, they didn't show any compassion whatsoever. Both EMTs were arrested on Monday and are being held on $1 million bond. And uh, a follow-up uh, to a story you may be uh, familiar with. Five officers charged in connection to a man becoming paralyzed while in their custody have pled not guilty to those charges. They're accused of brutally mistreating Randy Cox as he was headed to a New Haven police station for processing when the driver of the van had to brake hard to avoid a crash, sending Cox head first into the wall of that van. Officers then dragged him from the van, placing him in a holding cell until he was was taken to a hospital. Cox can be heard saying that he couldn't move. He is now suing the officers and the city for $100 million for negligence, excessive use of force, failing to provide immediate medical care, assault, and intention, uh, intentional inf uh, infliction of emotional distress, among uh, other claims. Now, the criminal charges against Cox that led to that arrest have been dropped. Cox is now paralyzed from the neck down, and that impact 
impact knee quarter lie in that band uh, was so hard that uh, it, it caused a cervical spine injury and uh, like I reported he is now permanently paralyzed from uh, the neck down so I, I feel like you know he can never get that life back and if a hundred million uh, is what he is asking for suing for and if in fact what he gets it will never it will never be enough to uh, you know get back the life that he had as far as the use of his 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 arms and his legs just a terrible story it's absolutely terrible and it reminds me a lot of remember the Freddie Gray case in Baltimore mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, where he was in police custody and uh, he went into the paddy wagon being able to you know fully use his arms and yeah. walk and all of that and uh, by the time he left the paddy wagon uh, he had s some severe injuries very similar to this mm -hmm. and you know just going back to the story in Illinois as well I think the NAACP chapter president has it right uh, they didn't show any compassion mm -hmm. and I think we want to be careful that you know this sort of deficit of compassion in the world doesn't continue to grow uh, you know when EMT officers, you know, are called to the scene, you know, people are in a very vulnerable state, mm -hmm. right? And, you know, we don't want folks to uh, have a sense of distrust, uh, not just for law enforcement, but for also EMTs. And so yeah. it's something that we'll continue to keep our eye on. It, it is. And whether it was, you know, uh, you know, frustration or burnout with the e EMTs or a matter of, you know, in crisis or sick while being black, um, I, I'm definitely hoping they'll get to the bottom of that case. I mean, when you when you read some of the um, description of, of actually what happened, him being placed face down on, on a gurney, it was just, uh, uh, it, listen, I just hope they get to the bottom of this case and we find out what really happened and uh, if those EMTs uh, need to not be EMTs anymore, then that be the case. That's right. It's just horrible. That's right. Well, uh, this week, Vice President Kamala Harris hosted dozens of environmental leaders at the White House in hopes of making a greener country. The administration wants to cut greenhouse emissions by at least 50 percent by the end of the decade. The meeting comes as the Biden administration enters a new phase of implementing major clean energy, energy and climate provisions. However, a nonpartisan research organization, the uh, Rodium Group, released a report early this week explaining that even this aggressive action on climate may not be enough to meet the goals as greenhouse emissions from the U.S. increased for the second time in two years. And after much controversy, Houston ISD says the principal of Jack Yates High School will not be terminated and additionally never wanted her terminated. Principal Tiffany Guillory was relieved of her duties with speculation the removal could have to do with the school's college and career readiness numbers being low, but there hasn't been much clarity on that as the reason for the removal remains unknown. Guillory hasn't responded to a request for a statement. Alumni from the school came out to show their support for her during the school's first board meeting of the year. According to reports, a number of students are even upset that their leader, the woman they respect and look up to, may not be there when they finish their high school journey. A Missouri City police officer running for Houston mayor is charged with assaulting her fiance. Now she's sharing her side of the story. Fox's Jonathan Martin sat down with Robin Williams and says she's she's innocent. Here I am, I'm fighting for my livelihood, I'm fighting for my life, I'm fighting for my mental health, and I'm 
fighting for Houston. I, I'm not going to drop out of the race. I'm not going to give up. Just hours after appearing before a judge, Missouri City Police Officer Robin Williams, who is also running to be Houston's mayor, sat down exclusively with me to talk about the felony assault yeah. charge she's facing, accused of attacking her fiance on New Year's Eve. As a police officer, I know all the time that accusations are made. Uh, it's not uncommon for someone to make false allegations. But why, would, why was your fiance, if you said you weren't fighting, why would he call the police and say that you hit him with a baton, used your taser, punched him in the mouth, if none of it was true? What would be the cause for that? Again, I'm not him, but I do know that I did not do what he's accusing me of doing. December 31st, I did not strike him. It was physically impossible. Hours before the alleged assault, Williams says she dislocated her left shoulder on duty after falling during a SWAT standoff and says it would have been impossible to attack her fiance, although he reported being injured. And this is my dominant hand. In order for me to, to come after you, I would have to have both hands available or my dominant hand. Missouri City Police records show Williams did discharge her taser at some point recently and never reported it. Now out on bond, Williams for now can't have contact with her fiance. Your fiance has told investigators that you've been violent in the past, even dating back to August. So are you saying you've never been violent in this relationship? No, I, I've never been violent. And when, the, when I'm able to tell the full story, you'll see that I've been a victim in a lot of this. The judge has ordered her to have no contact with the boyfriend and she's not allowed to have a firearm. It's unclear if she will continue her run for Houston mayor. Yikes. He say, she say. Um, I, I think she's right. You're going to have to wait until she can fully tell her story, maybe until uh, the fiance can fully tell his story. And then, you know, as inquiring minds would probably want to know, you're probably going to have to come up with your own conclusion as, as to who to believe. Right now, it's kind of like, eh. And then in, in that piece, you really didn't hear from, from the other side. Uh, he's probably just going to keep his mouth shut, as probably she, she, she should have. <laughs> but uh, just to, you know, Yikes. I mean, you know, you, it begs the question that if you're running to be the next mayor of Houston, Texas, mm -hmm. how can you focus on families in Houston when you have so much happening in your own family? Mm -hmm. uh, I think that is, you know, just a very obvious uh, question. Mm -hmm. And so. Which is probably why he's keeping his mouth shut, hasn't, hasn't said too much. You know, you know or, or maybe there's more to say, who knows? But bottom line, I think it's pulling focus from her, mm -hmm. her race for mayor. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, if, if they don't clear this up sooner than later, um, I'm not sure if, uh, if that race is going to be too successful. successful. <laughs> All right, uh, he, here we go with the conversation again. We just talked about this yesterday as Kansas yeah. City is the latest to join the increasing number of cities across the country committed to looking at providing reparations to black residents. Kansas City Council members voted this week to establish a committee to study reparations. The ordinance gives the city 90 days to form a commission called the Mayor's Commission on Reparations that will go on to advise the city about possible future reparations. Now, the 13-person commission has not yet been chosen. In Texas, a judge has ordered a landlord to pay up to the tune of over $100,000 for discriminating against black female tenants. Agent and owner Quang Dang Tran 
has uh, now has to pay $140,649 in damages penalties, uh, as well as attending trainings and adoption of non-discrimination policies. This all comes after reports detail that the landlord told a black renter she could not view an affordable unit or live there because she was black, which is in direct violation of the Fair Housing Act. HUD, which in June 2019 filed a discrimination charge, says it will continue to hold accountable those who practice these violations. Okay, more of the same when it comes to this story as City National Bank has agreed to commit more than $31 million to boost lending to black and Hispanic home buyers in the LA area. It's the largest settlement over illegal redlining. Now this comes after the Justice Department accused it of uh, discrimination by refusing to underwrite mortgages in predominantly black and Latino communities. City National is the latest bank in the past several years that has avoided to lend uh, to racial and ethnic minorities. The Justice Department also claims that the bank was so reluctant to operate in LA County, areas that they only opened one branch in the past 20 years. In Georgia, after weeks of warning that the city of Atlanta will be getting tough on delinquent accounts, not a single Atlanta homeowner has seen their water shut off for failure to pay. Fox's Morse Diggs has the very latest. Even with a flurry of customers coming down to City Hall to make arrangements for their water bill, the number still stands at more than 21,000 delinquent accounts. How did they get that way? Well, the two mayors before Mayor Dickens didn't do any residential shutoffs over a period of 12 years. Delinquent business customers see their taps cut if they do not pay up. But the real money owed to Atlanta, tens of millions, is from overdue residential accounts. The water chief, Makita Browning, got some looks of skepticism from council because they heard her promise to get tough with homeowners and begin enforcement once the calendar rolled to January. Some of the shutoffs we're going to start first of the year. Where are we with that? Because we can only know continue to be a charity for so long it's um, we had to hit a little bit of a pause because of the influx of the 500 that came into the float program the last two weeks of December so we needed to recalibrate the list soon it will happen according to the water office Fox 5 returned there today to get an update paying customers were not happy to hear that more than 21,000 ratepayers remain on the failure to pay shutoff list you understand that water is like a utility, right? Whatever they use, they need to pay for it. The unofficial free water abuse practice has gone on so long, there are millions Atlanta will have to write off as simply uncollectible. Nine and 9.2. Nine and a half and 9.2. And these are accounts that are statutorily uh, past the point that we can do anything. So council members can express frustration over the pace of the enforcement on these overdue water accounts, but really that's all they can do. It is up to Mayor Dickens and his water commissioner to accelerate the activity. From downtown Atlanta, I'm Morse Diggs, Fox 5 News. Watershed officials estimate uh, that the number to be around $18 million. Our thanks to Morse Diggs for that uh, report. Uh, 21,000 ratepayers uh, not paying. Uh, that's a lot of money. Yeah, it is. And, and, and we know that, you know, in order to use utilities, you, you have to pay for them. Uh, at this point, you know, whose fault is it really? You know, I know if, if 
if I, look, I'm just putting myself in, in their shoes. If, if I old and, and, and nobody was saying anything, you know, I can see how people will continue on and, and not really pay too much attention to, you know, that bill. But I'm like, where they do that at? Because uh, let me tell you, uh, we still own a home here uh, in Detroit, our parents' home. And, you know, I know with the history of the water department here and, and all the issues, uh, you know, they will cut you off uh, with no problems. And we're, we're living in the midst of, 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 the, of the Great Lakes. <laughs> so uh, I'm just really surprised that Atlanta officials have let it uh, go on for so long and to the point now where they're not going to be able to recoup uh, any of those monies owed. But, uh, you know, for the, for the residents who owe, uh, I'm sure they're, they're going to stay a, a bit quiet for those 500 who've gone in and say, yes, I owe and I want to work out a plan. I hope it works out for them. Yeah, and I think part of what people forget is that, you know, those dollars go back into the general fund and mm -hmm. they allow for the city of Atlanta to invest in other programs, right? And so when people don't pay their water bill, uh, it makes it hard for the city to invest mm -hmm. in programs uh, that the city says that they want, that voters say that they want. And so you know, 21,000 delinquent accounts, um, you know, hopefully uh, they're able to put a dent in that. But the fact that not one, but two mayors over the course of two mayorships, you know, uh, they haven't been able to uh, figure this out. Mm -hmm. I think that's a problem. Yeah, well, it sounds like it's about to be figured out now. Yeah, <laughs> it, it sure does. Well, uh, in your business report, you could soon be seeing some relief from the high food prices. Data from the Bureau of Labor Statistics says grocery prices increasing only two-tenths of a percent in December. That makes it the smallest monthly increase since March 2021. But overall, food prices still went up about 12% compared to last year. Egg prices are up about 60% from a year ago, while the cost of butter up more than 35%. All right, maybe something for next year's Christmas list or, maybe list or maybe a birthday coming up. She's bigger and two inches taller compared to the traditional Barbie, and she has some color. The dolls manufacturer, Mattel, was inspired to, uh, by parents to create a larger version. They say parents wanted to buy a Barbie until their kids' uh, hand motor skills increased. My first Barbie will come in four different skin tones and easy-to-dress Velcro clothes made especially for smaller hands, and I get it because you know that the, the baby dolls come a little bit bigger, maybe easier to grab. I love the fact that uh, Mattel is continuing uh, with their uh, 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 need or, or um, I don't know, quest to in, involve uh, us mm -hmm. with the four different skin tones. And I think, you know, possibly it become a hot item. You know, Barbie has been hot for years on top of years. Barbie might be about 50, 70 <laughs> years. So, yeah. Barbie is definitely a member so of AARP. I know. It's good. <laughs> so am I. It's good to see that they continue to reimagine yeah. and, you know, for new generations and for generations to come. I think you're right. I think you're right. And, and you know, it's so good to see you know, a company and, and a toy that really is a part of Americana, mm -hmm. um, to see it evolve over the years. Uh, I was in the grocery store uh, a couple days ago and I saw the different colored Band-Aids, right? The, oh, yeah. the oh, multiple the tones, tone, right? Multiple tones, yeah. You know, and I just thought to myself, it is a new day. You know, keep it coming. We love got to keep it. Coming, we love though. to see it. Uh, yeah. Still ahead, working only four days out of the week. That's what one country is trying to enforce for workers. Ooh, we'll tell you where and why they're looking for an earlier weekend when we return. You're watching Fox Soul's Black Report. Give me my passport. <laughs>
right, soulmates, did you know that the best match comes from someone of the same ethnicity? But in the United Kingdom, only 2% of donors in 2021 and 2022 were black. Well, black people are 4% of the population. Yeah, the NHS Blood and Transplant Report published this week shows that while waiting times have approved for all ethnicities in the UK, black people wait on average 735 days for a kidney. By comparison, the average waiting time for the general population is 50, uh, is uh, 550 days. Uh, for Asian uh, folks, it's 650 days. And for Caucasians, it's 480. 88 days. Kidney patients make up the majority of people on the waiting lists and face some of the longest waits because transplants need to be matched by blood and tissue type, whereas other organs only need a blood type match. Similar disparities in waiting times for other organ transplants are occurring as well. As a new COVID subvariant spreads across the country, there are new questions about who should get the latest vaccine booster. An expert says shots targeting specific strains should only be given to older Americans and those with pre-existing conditions, continuing to say shots should not be given to the general public because the strains could come and go within a few months of getting boosted. But the feds are pushing back, insisting vaccination is the best way to protect against severe illness. The rates of infection uh, with RSV, even with flu, are beginning to dip. We still see an increase in COVID, and that's why this vaccination program is so important. The government continues to fund free boosters for Americans, but demand remains low. Less than 18% of U.S. adults have received one. All right, so mates, you can expect record-breaking hotness in the years ahead. That's according to NASA and NOAA. In similar reports, NASA is ranking 2022 as the fifth warmest year on record, and NOAA marked it as the sixth warmest year. The record for both agencies go back to 1880. Now, last year was slightly warmer than 2021, despite La Nina, which slightly reduces global average temperatures. Scientists warn the planet is likely to get hotter as the burning of coal, oil, and gas continues. California is bracing for more rain, if you can believe it. More rain this weekend before conditions dry out next week. Forecasters say since Christmas, get this, more than three feet of rain soaked much of California. While in the Sierra Nevadas, this series of atmospheric rivers dropped a record amount of snow, more than twice as much as average. Much of the state is now listed as being in severe or moderate drought, an improvement from the extreme or exceptional designation. However, experts say it will take years to fully recover. Oh my goodness, my thoughts and prayers are with my home state of yeah. California. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, growing up, there have been plenty of El Nino years where there's mm -hmm. been, uh, there have been floods, there's been uh, lots of rain and precipitation, but this one takes the cake. Yeah. I've been on the phone and on text with mom and with family members and friends. And, you know, one of my friends said, you know, uh, they're about to uh, make friends with Noah. 
uh, <laughs> because All of the rain. they just might need an arc Somebody if this rain continues at the rate that it's going. I know, and and, and seriously though, you've, you've got uh, flooding uh, in your area and then in the southeast, uh, places like Alabama, Georgia, Kentucky, you're dealing with uh, just horrific uh, tornadoes that have wiped out those areas. Last reported, there's almost 50,000 without power. And especially in the uh, Dallas County area, that's where Selma is hardest hit and Ottawa County as well. So we want to uh, keep our prayers um, and keep them in our thoughts as they uh, move through uh, some major, major damage because of tornadoes. So this weather, Mother Nature, she is she is off the chain. Feels like climate change is real. I know, I mm -hmm. know. All right, moving on. Former Power Hands CEO Daniel Surin C. Jones, the newly appointed head of Amazon's Black Business Accelerator BBA program, is on a mission to help other black entrepreneurs achieve their dreams. Jones says this role goes far beyond selling products and is a tremendous opportunity to aid in the building of legacies for black entrepreneurs and amplify the stories and innovations that come from the black community of entrepreneurs. That's the end of that quote. Jones was a highlighted CEO of the black enterprise Amazon small business superheroes back in August of 2022. According to a new Gallup report, only 21% of employees in Sub-Saharan Africa feel engaged with their work and evaluate their life as thriving. So, starting next month, 20 companies in South Africa will participate in a four-day work week pilot for six months. Four-Day Week Global published its findings from its most extensive four-day week pilot, which showed that participating companies experienced increased revenue alongside reduced absenteeism and resignations, while employees experienced a significant increase in health and well-being. According to the report, workers felt less stressed and burnt out and reported higher rates of life satisfaction. Additionally, 70% of the employees surveyed said they'd need a 10 to 50% pay increase to return to a five-day work week. <laughs> How about that? Well, you know, this, is, this isn't such a, a far stretch. I do want to say, like, either during the pandemic or right at the tail end, uh, Google and Japan may be experienced with the four-day work week. And according to their findings, it was, it was even more productive when you, when you couple that with employees being able to work from home. So, you know, there are studies and, and there are corporations who have put this into practice uh, prior to this uh, company in, in South Africa. Uh, and the results have been um, great. And uh, you would think that maybe, you know, as this continues, you know, it will trend into maybe a, a four day work week. Will it work here in the U.S.? I don't know, because we have a tendency to be, you know, motivated by, you know, making that money and maybe a little greed. And and I, I've got a girlfriend and she she's based here in the States, but she mm -hmm. works for a European based company. And she's always having to struggle with um, the fact that the retail stores here stay open so much longer. You know, in Europe, they shut down. You go home, you have dinner. You know, there are these very strict hours because, you know, their values are just a little different than ours. So it'll be interesting to see how this will translate uh, to the states, if at all. But I just doubt it very seriously. Yeah, and, you know, and, and change happens slowly. Mm -hmm. I mean, remember uh, before organized labor, uh, you know, fought for weekends? We didn't have weekends, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. so I think it's possible in our lifetime that we could see, you know, more companies and even the government adopt a four-day work week. It's possible. 
keep hope alive. Do not hold your breath, man. I'm going to keep hope alive. Oh, you do that. Coming up, Spike Lee, speaking of hope, is launching a new program for HBCU students. Plus, the Battle of the Bands is this weekend. Ooh. We'll have everything you need to know for the big event. You're watching Fox Soul's Black Report. We'll be back after this. I hear it in my head. Welcome back, Soulmates. You ready for the weekend? I know I am. If you're just joining us, we're going to run back some of today's top headlines. There's a soldier uh, that was assigned to Fort Rucker. That's in Alabama. He is now in police custody after brutally killing a fellow soldier. Now, according to a statement from the Army, 21-year-old Private Abdul in Latifu of the Bronx died from injuries sustained in the attack. Both soldiers were students in the advanced individual training. Uh, sources say the attacker used an Army issued tool, which was a small steel folding shovel in that assault. The alleged suspect has not been identified, but officials uh, say there's no indication the incident was a hate crime. The attack is still under investigation. And to Springfield, Illinois, where two paramedics are being charged with first degree murder after not properly restraining a black patient. Peggy Finley and Peter Cadigan are both charged in the murder of 35 year old Oral Earl Moore Jr. Reports detail that officers were called to the scene where a family member claimed that Earl Moore Jr. was having a hallucinatory episode. Police arrived on the scene and requested medical assistance for Moore, but he received the opposite. Both EMTs were arrested on Monday and are being held on a $1 million bond. And City National Bank has agreed to commit more than $31,000 to boost lending to black and Hispanic home buyers in the LA area. Now, this is the largest settlement over illegal redlining, and it all comes after the Justice Department accused them of discrimination by refusing to underwrite mortgages in predominantly black and Latino communities. City National is the latest bank in the past several years that has avoided to lend to racial and ethnic minorities. And finally this week, VP Kamala Harris hosted dozens of environmental leaders at the White House in hopes of making a greener country. The administration wants to cut out greenhouse emissions by at least 50% by the end of the decade. The meeting comes as the Biden administration enters a new phase implementing major clean energy and climate provisions. However, nonpartisan research organization, the Rhodium Group, released a report early this week explaining that even this aggressive action on climate may not be enough to meet the goals as greenhouse emissions from the U.S. increased for the second time in two years. Nikorali, back to you. Thank you, Courtney. Now off to Florida, where a Miami street has been named, it's been renamed after the city's first black Bahamian restaurant owner. Margaret Jane Thompson Mackey opened the first Bahamian restaurant, the Seafood Cafe, in Miami decades ago, and the city has decided to acknowledge the late restaurateur by renaming a street near the cafe's old location after her. Take a look. Thompson Mackey. Margaret Jane Thompson owned and cooked at the Seafood once located at 401 Northwest 17th Street and 4th Avenue in Overtown, Miami. 
Seafood Cafe opened in 1929 and served as an example of one of the thriving businesses that contributed to the vibrancy of one of Miami's historic neighborhoods, once called the Harlem of the South. My grandmother worked tirelessly for 41 years at Seafood Cafe restaurant. She was kind, helping everyone. She told me right to the end, she told me to keep on doing it. Keep on doing what I'm doing. And that's what I've been doing. She taught her children the meaning of life and hard work. Our grandmother loved God, her family, and the goodness to helping and giving back to others. The renaming of the street honors the work Mackie had done throughout the Miami community, specifically in Overtown, a historic neighborhood that was known as colored town during the years of segregation. Very nice. The Smithsonian National Museum of African American History and Culture in downtown D.C. has appointed its deputy director role to historian and author Michelle Commander. Now, according to the Washington Informer, Commander's role will comprise of uh, a spread of duties that include assisting and collaborating with the overall planning, development, and management of the museum's activities. Her responsibilities will also involve supporting the work on the current Living History Campaign, expanding the museum's technologies, and leading the education and publications offices. The Biden administration has announced more than half a million dollars in grants for three historically black colleges and universities that received bomb threats in 2022, according to sources. Uh, Arkansas Philander Smith College, Arkansas Philander Smith, Smith College, North Carolina Central University, and Hampton University each received between 100 grand and $215,000 through the project's school emergency response to violence. The schools will use the funding to address safety, security, and mental health concerns for their communities, which were shaken by the recent scares the Department of Education announced. More HBCU news as movie director and Morehouse man Spike Lee is paying it forward at Atlanta's uh, HBCUs. Lee, who graduated from Morehouse in 79, is teaming up with his agency, Gersh, for the Spike Lee Fellows Program, which kicks off this month and will support students from Morehouse Spelman and Clark Atlanta University. The fellowship will include student loan debt relief, entertainment industry mentorships, postgraduate internships, and full-time employment. Five graduates selected by a panel consisting of Spike, uh, the Atlanta HBCU community, and Gersh Management will comprise the inaugural Spike Fellows class Great, great news. Spike has always and remains down for not only his alma mater, but the, the push to support uh, and recognize HBCU. So it's really no surprise that he's come up with a, a fellow uh, like this. But I, I love the the ingredients there, you know, the, the exposure to the entertainment industry, help with student loans mm -hmm. and, and full-time employment. That is how, you know, you create uh, new opportunities, new levels that will be reached by that next generation. I think it's awesome. I, I agree, and, and I, it's great to see that Spike isn't doing it alone. It's good to see that Gersh Management, mm -hmm. um, uh, a very well-respected agency in Hollywood, mm -hmm. you know, is also uh, supporting, doing what they can to help build a more robust pipeline. And, and it's just really great to see just so much more investment into our HBCUs. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there's the personal investment, in terms of time, talent, and treasure by folks like Spike Lee, but also, you know, the investment from our federal government. You know, uh, we have reported right here on the Black Report on the uh, bomb threats to HBCUs. Yeah. 
Um, uh, last year, there was a, a, a pretty steady increase in those threats, mm -hmm. and so it's good to see that the federal government is being responsive. Uh, and investing at least these three HBCUs mm -hmm. uh, to make sure that kids, you know, feel safe. Because if you can feel safe in your learning environment, uh, then chances are, you know, there's nothing that's going to stop you from from uh, shooting for the stars. And speaking of feeling safe, law enforcement recruiters hope college students see a future in law enforcement. A college in Missouri is doing its part to diversify the law enforcement field by creating the first police academy at a historically black college or university. Lincoln University introduced its first HBCU police academy in 2021, graduating its first set of recruits six months later. The class was made up of two black women, four black black men and three white men. All recruits from the inaugural class have graduated from the program. Eight of them now work in law enforcement. So keeping up with this uh, wonderful HBCU news, Fisk University in Nashville, Tennessee is transforming dozens of shipping containers into dorm rooms, forming a small residential community that will house about 100 students. University Executive Vice President Jens Fredrickson uh, told sources recently uh, that the low-cost, easily manufactured dorms will have blue and gold exteriors, the university's colors, with private bathrooms, kitchenettes, and showers inside. The project will cost about $4 million. Now, Fisk is one of several HBCUs working to provide housing accommodations for a rising number of students as HBCUs are seeing a modest increase in enrollment after years of decline. Applications at HBCUs have spiked in recent years, according to a report from Inside Higher Education. Oh, we're not done yet, as there will be some high stepping for show get down this weekend in ATM. My, my, my mother-in-law says, you got that right. <laughs> the HBCU uh, culture homecoming battle of the bands tour kicks off this weekend. Jackson State, Southern University, Alabama State, Alabama A&M, Talladega, and Miles College will be battling it out at the State Farm Arena in Atlanta. It happens this Sunday. The battle is part of Fan Fest Weekend, which starts tomorrow. Those are some of the best of the best when you talk about bands, um, you know, for H uh, HBCUs. I remember watching a battle as Miles College and somebody else in Miles College had a, 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 a bit of a smaller band, and they were battling this other band across the field, and Miles College murdered him. So, and just the instrumentation, yeah. um, just how uh, those young people people, you know, manipulate really those instruments to sound ways that you don't normally hear those instruments sounding, you know, classically speaking. They're just dope. They're just dope. They're, they're totally, oh they're totally dope. And, you know, just as you lay that out, I'm thinking about uh, Homecoming, the mm -hmm. documentary uh, uh, featuring Beyonce mm -hmm. on, on Netflix it was the Beyonce concert. Uh, it was a whole experience. Yeah. And it was a whole experience in part because she recruited the HBCUs. Mm -hmm. I think it was TSU mm -hmm. uh, that she recruited to be a part of that, uh, the, that filming and recording. Uh, and let me tell you, if you have not seen an HBCU band perform mm -hmm. in person, uh, you don't want to miss this. And so, you know, I know I'm going to be in Atlanta this weekend, so I, you know, I, I might find my way over there. You better. Right? I, I, I may have a phone with say, me. I was going to say, take plenty of pictures and take shoot plenty, of, plenty pictures. of videos and send it my way. That's right. Yeah, and I really feel like after you watch Homecoming, and, and a lot of people were talking about how, you know, if, if Beyonce's life had went in another direction and college was something for her, you could tell that she might have preferred 
referenced attending at HBCU because that homecoming concert was all about that experience for sure. That's right. I felt like yeah. a love letter to HBCUs, particularly HBCU bands. Mm -hmm. We love to see it. Up next, congrats are in order. Well, maybe as reports are circulating regarding Kanye and his new bride. A new bride, huh? We'll tell you all about the newlywed couple when we come back. You're watching Fox Soul's Black Report. All right, soulmates, Meek Mill has secured a pardon. Mm. He announced the big news via Instagram uh, just this week, nearly 15 years after he was convicted of drug and weapons related charges. Yeah, the move serves as an act of forgiveness for certain criminal convictions and allows the related offenses to be expunged from his criminal record. Meek captioned the IG photo of the declaration signed by Pennsylvania's governor saying, quote, thank y'all. I'm only going to do more for my community on God. Yay or Kanye West, uh, whatever you prefer, uh, <laughs> is married. He's a married man again. According to TMZ, he got married to Bianca Sensori. The pair allegedly held a private ceremony in Beverly Hills yesterday. The bride, uh, Bianca, she has worked as a Yeezy designer for years, but it's unclear how long the couple have been involved. The secret wedding comes just two months after the finalization of West's divorce from uh, Kim Kardashian West. While the newlyweds were spotted wearing rings, a marriage certificate has not been filed as of this morning. Which hmm. is why people are saying that this, you know, wouldn't be official if there's if there's no uh, marriage certificate. Yay, and a publicity stunt? No. I don't, you know, I don't know. It, it could be. You know, him and Kim have probably been on separate paths even prior to this, you know, divorce or the announcement of them uh, getting a divorce. And uh, she appears to be like a former em employee yeah. of, of Kanye. So they may have been around each other for a while. But she, it threw a lot of people off because he's been linked with her prior to. Uh -huh. But when he's when they saw him with uh, a woman, she was blonde. And so it, it threw a lot of folks off. Mm -hmm. And then they all of a sudden realized, oh, this is this is this girl. And so, you know, listen, if, if it's if it's something real and and it speaks to some sort of healing, I'm down for it. I hope I hope this young lady is equipped <laughs> to handle all that comes with uh, with being uh, uh, associated, affiliated, connected. Uh, to Kanye West, and we'll just see if it's if it's real or not. Sooner yeah. or later, it'll something will come out. Yeah, and everybody deserves love, mm -hmm. right? And so, yeah. you know, I hope that you know Ye is able to find that, and you know, find the kind of love that you know really sort of is going to love him enough to tell him the truth and love him enough to help him heal, as opposed to love him enough to uh, get a few headlines and and ease on down the road. Yeah, well, that 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 love is probably uh, 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 black and on the south side of Chicago. Help him get himself together. The NAACP Image Awards nominations were released yesterday, and Black Panther Wakanda Forever, no surprise, picked up 12 nominations, while The Woman King and Abbott Elementary finished off as top nominees. Now, in music, you guessed it, Beyonce, along with Kendrick Lamar, both came away with five nominations to also lead uh, the way in those categories. The awards honoring entertainers and writers of uh, color will air live in Pasadena. Dina, California on February 25th. The two-hour show will be held in front of an audience for the first time in three years.
Tyler Perry has chosen his leading actors for his next project. Kerry Washington, Oprah Winfrey, and Sam Waterston are headlining Perry's Six Triple Eight, the director's fourth film for Netflix. Washington will also executive produce the film about the true story of the only all-black, all-female World War II battalion that proved key to the American war effort. The film has begun production, and this is gonna be a, mm. a fun one to see. You know, Oprah doesn't do um, a lot of acting these days. I think particular. this is the first film that she's doing in five years, mm -hmm. and so it's gonna be great to see her back on the silver screen. Yeah. Carrie Washington, um, you know, who we love, Great to see her, you know, uh, now uh, as a, a producer uh, mm -hmm. on the film. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Tyler Perry, uh, you know, what he touches tends to uh, turn into gold. You know, yeah. people, you know, enjoy his stuff. Uh, and uh, this is definitely going to be a, a uh, this is not going to be a Medea film. Yeah. That's what I read. It's not going to be a Medea okay. film, you know. And uh, even if it they was. They're going to put a little extra hot, hot sauce on this. This is, this, this is going to be, you know, um, you know, a stretch. Even film even if for it him. was, those those that Medea franchise has pr has proven itself time yeah. and time again to be successful. But speaking of uh, Tyler Perry and touching, he has touched some more um, real estate uh, that has that has been added to that uh, beautiful beautiful uh, studio down there in Atlanta. Millions he has spent to expand uh, that studio space. So you will more than likely be seeing a lot more from uh, Tyler Perry as he just continues to uh, kill the game unexpectedly. So yeah, you know and move in ways that uh, maybe still to this day, if you pay attention and keep up with Tyler mm -hmm. Perry, still blow his mind yeah. as well. I just, yeah. I, just, I just love to see him just sort of, you know, creating more and more and more opportunity mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, for our community. And so whether it's the big names like Kerry Washington and Oprah or, you know, the Tamika Sumters and names that we're mm -hmm. a little less familiar with. Or the new up and coming actors that he's giving opportunities to. That's right. Mm -hmm. You know, he is he is a he's an equal opportunity uh, hand out opportunity to person. Cat. That's what we call him here in Detroit. A cat. You call him a cat? Equal opportunity cat. All right. Equal opportunity <laughs> cat. Well, moving along, what began as guest hosting while Wendy Williams was absent from her daytime show has turned into a new bona fide hit for Sherry Shepard. We love to see it. Her daytime talk show, Sherry, has been renewed for two more seasons, taking the series through the 2024-2025 season. Now, the former View co-host was initially asked to step in as a temporary fill-in during Wendy Williams' prolonged absence. As an instant hit with the daytime audience, Shepard kept being invited back and was formally tapped to succeed Williams. Now, in addition to Sherry's show being renewed, it was also announced this week that the Jennifer Hudson Yay! Show has been renewed for season two. Congratulations to those two incredibly yeah. talented, wonderful sisters. Come on, Inglewood, up to no good. <laughs> South side of the shy. Love, Jennifer. All right, we, we mentioned Abbott Elementary just a few moments ago. This breakout comedy series has also been renewed for a third season. It all comes off a Golden Globe win for Best Comedy Series and Acting Awards for Quinta Brunson, who also created the show. The show also won three Emmys in 2022. Brunson took home one for writing. Of course, you have to remember uh, the diva, actress Cheryl Lee Ralph and her um, uh, award as well. And Abbott Elementary is one of the first series pickup for the 2023-24 
TV season over at that particular network. So that speaks volumes as to um, how vital and successful and valued that this show uh, continues to be. And I am here for it. I got to catch up on um, season one, the end of season yeah. one. I still got to catch up on it. Yeah, I got yeah. I, I to do some catch up too. But it also says something about the audience, mm -hmm. right? I mean, we just talked about Sherry Shepard being renewed, Jennifer Hudson's show being renewed, uh, Abbott Elementary, mm -hmm. you know, uh, with Quinta and Shirley Ralph and so many other talented folks mm -hmm. being renewed. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, Niecy Nash, you know, has been in the headlines for her performance on Dahmer and the show that she's on on ABC mm -hmm. uh, is doing very well as well. And mm -hmm. so we're seeing that black audiences mm -hmm. and audiences that support uh, black actors, uh, black storylines, uh, that the audiences are also winning, right? Yeah. Because once upon yeah. a time, there were a lot of networks, a lot of advertisers uh, that didn't think that uh, these actors were bankable. Mm -hmm. You know, black Hollywood was sort of, you know, limited in terms of how far they could go. And, you know, we're seeing these actresses really uh, expand our portion, and so we love to see it. Yeah, not only, you know, black act, the question of black actors being bankable, but our stories being tellable, <laughs> you know, and interested uh, enough. And of course, uh, we have continued to, to prove that theory very, very wrong. You know, you've got sci-fi, you've got uh, movies like Wakanda, you've got uh, great uh, comedy, uh, which could probably be almost put in the slapstick category with Abbott Elementary, and it ranges from the big screen to the small screen. So the talent has always been there. It's just that the folks who control the big and the small screens uh, have not mm -hmm. allowed us to, to you know, show that. And, and now that the tide has turned, uh, you're seeing a lot more of it. And my hope is that you will continue to see just that. It's, it's, it's just a variety of, of black talent. And, and you know, you'll find something that'll fill your cup for sure. Yeah, and I love, love it. It's an intergenerational group mm -hmm. of, of black folks, of black women. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's really, really, really important. Yeah. Uh, that we see folks sort of passing the baton to mm -hmm. the next generation. And mm -hmm. so let's continue to grow. Let's continue to expand. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I think they're up for the job. And we're going to continue on this Friday. There's more of Foxo's Black Report on the way. That's right. It's our Black Excellence segment. Oh, I love this. When we return, you're watching Foxo's Black Report. Welcome back. Okay, so much. you've got to remember this kid. It, it, it was on Vine. It got like 19 million views. You remember the Popeye's meme kid? He now plays football at Lake Erie College. He just got an NIL deal. Oh, wow. That's right. Uh, Dennis Collins, also known as the Popeye's meme kid, <laughs> took to social media to rally his followers to convince the fast food eatery to offer him a name, image, and likeness deal. In less than a week, he got his wish as Popeye saw the retweets and posts and responded directly to Collins' tweet saying that they wanted to work with him. Oh, yeah. Collins says that although he has offered, uh, been offered a deal, it hasn't been signed just yet and he can't disclose the details. He's now getting other offers due to the avalanche of support via social media. 
Colin says his teammates are excited for him and for what's to come. I think um, Dude Wipes people reached out to him mm -hmm. uh, as well. But I remember that Vine post, that was back when Vine was that deal, over like, like almost 20 million views on that meme. And I don't know if that was a cousin or somebody teasing him, but there was a cute little girl standing in front of him. And so this is why you got that look. The power of social media. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, physician Ami Komordordiz, Komordizi. Kamordzi developed a fintech platform with no prior experience and a mission urging people to invest in improving their health. Yeah, after observing flaws within the healthcare system while studying at Stanford, uh, she decided not to go into residency and got her MBA instead, and she was inspired to launch Seeka Health, which is gonna help people uh, retain those uh, FSA and HSA um, monies so they can invest more in their health. All right, you're watching Fox Soul's Black Report. I'm Nicole Cortez. I'm Courtney Hicks. Until next time, soulmates, have a good weekend and stay, stay lifted. lifted.